0: Father, we come to you again, uh, offering you your word and have, asking that you'd offer it back to us in encouragement, direction, as we go out this day. Lord, um, there's nothing like feeding on your word when the Holy Spirit's teaching us. It's it's certainly one of the greatest spiritual highs on planet Earth, and we just pray that you would just, uh, just uh, reach into our soul and and do something to us today that... And make us different than when we came in, and we do pray for our dear Ken, as he has uh, been in the hospital and i 'm sure that 's very frustrating to him and uh, we just pray Lord God that the doctors would find out what it is that is really hurting and bothering and um, and just what the heart issues are and physically and uh, that, 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 that not only a diagnosis but a um, a, a cure and a way to get him out of the hospital and back on at home just comfort him now as he i know he wishes he was here not there and uh just give him help his him if he's frustrated and give him a great sense of your peace and then lord thank you for the dads here today for all the men really it's not an easy world to be a man in anymore and i just pray for our single men who uh, they're as important to you as, as a married man and just bless them as they seek to honor you through their, their, their singleness and their walk with you, and then bless our dads. Um, no more important job than being a dad and a mom, but we pray for our dads here today that, um, that you would just uh, confer a blessing on them, help them to know that they're appreciated by their children. And then, Lord, uh, we just love you, and we thank you for this time and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow. Uh, 15 and a half months. And today is the last sermon at Hebrews. Don't applaud, please. Because uh, <laughs> I wouldn't know why you're applauding. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget the worship leader that we had. This is decades ago. And I, I think I started the Gospel of Matthew when I first got here. And it took me at least a year or two to get through it. And when we were in our last... Uh, Um, message uh, she said at her her prayer after the offertory and before I came up she said um, dear Lord thank you that we've been able to endure the series on Matthew as pastor I don't know how that anyway um, I've had a blast I've learned so much and uh, and I didn't want to skip the uh, postlude um, after that beautiful benediction that the writer gives us there's just a little bit more that he wants to say to us um, in 13:22 through 25 and he says brothers i urge you to bear with my word of exhortation for i have written you only a short letter i want you to know that our brother timothy has been released if he arrives soon i will come with him to see you greet all your leaders and all god's people those from italy send you their greetings grace be with you all That's a P.S., biblical P.S. And uh, I know, have you ever written a letter and and forgotten something or wanted to add something and you did a P.S.? Oh, I'm sorry. A letter is a piece of paper (laughs) that you write stuff to other people. And when that letter is full, you fold it into a size of what's called an envelope. And then you put it in the envelope, and you go, uh, on this piece of gummy stuff on the inside flap of the top of this thing called an envelope, and you push on it, and it sticks. So your letter is safe. And then you put this little thing called a stamp on it, and then you find what's now called a mailbox, and you, you know, some people, I haven't written a letter, and I did not even know how long. Why? Because of the computer. And you don't really need PS's, right? Because you can wipe it out with a delete button and do it over again. And so some people don't even know what a letter is. If you'd be surprised what Peter, people raised in a computer age don't know. Um, anyway, um, we had hard days, didn't we, when we had to write that letter? When uh, we had to actually put ink on paper. That was, that was a rough time, but uh, we don't have to do that anymore. Anyway. All joking aside, uh, this is a Postscript or a PS.. It's a divine PS.. I was reading somebody that said this week uh, and I'll, I'll put this out as a question to you. Is this, are these four verses any less divinely inspired than any other part of Scripture? No. These, these, this, this postscript is as much inspired by the Holy Spirit as any other portion of the Bible. And so we can't skip this. It's not, a, it's not just something we run by, and people do run by it. You know, volumes on everything up to the post. I've, I've read the commentaries, by the way. Volumes all the way up to the, the, the PS, and then well, just a little bit. Uh, I'm not that kind of guy, because I see something in everything. I see too much in everything, really. But today I want us to look at this insanely wonderful postscript, because the writer wrote this on purpose because he knew that the things that he was finished with to the Hebrew believers would help make them Christ-like in their life, help them make them Christ-like in their life and get through a really difficult time in history. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. We are entering into more difficult times in history, are we not? I, I, I believe we are because I'm not, I, I'm reading the headlines just like you and I'm, I'm a, a discerner for, but by the way, it's one of my God-given, by his grace, spiritual gifts, and I see something happening regarding Christians. And I'll get into that maybe in a little, little bit later. But these words are important. So the title of the message today is The Powerful Postscript of Hebrews. The Powerful Postscript of Hebrews. And there's four of them. Four important uh, ingredients to this postscript, and I hope that you'll understand how how necessary they are to the to the uh, the whole book. First of all, this postscript is empower, is powerful, or P.S. We can go P.S. if you want. It's because it challenges us to concentrate on the content of the book. It challenges us to concentrate on the content of the book. How many people have found out through your Christian life that reading the Bible once doesn't tell us everything we need to know about the bible i've had people heard people say that i'd probably wonder if i thought that when i was a new believer but every time i read the scriptures that i've gone through a number of times god gives me something new and what this writer is trying to say is look uh, i want you to go over this over and over and over and over again look what he says in verse 22 brothers i urge you I love that. I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation. He's talking about the whole book. My word of exhortation is the book of Hebrews, for I have written only a short letter. A short letter? I thought, this is a short letter? Taking me 16 months almost to get through this guy. But it really is. They've timed it. They've timed people reading this thing, and it takes 48 minutes. That's kind of short for, relatively speaking, but it's not short in depth. And he's saying, "Would you do? Would you do something? Would you? Would you? Would you think about the content of this letter over and over and over again?" Now that begs the question, doesn't it? What's the content? So those of you that have shown up here for the first time, or you didn't hear this whole series, you get it all today. Okay, you get what the book is all about today. Those of you that have come to this series. Uh, get a rewind but a valuable one and i love the way he starts this he says brothers he so, so starts out very tenderly um my fellow christians you could say brothers uh i urge you and what that can say is mean is i'm begging you i am begging you take this seriously take it seriously and i'm here to say i'm begging you to take this seriously and I'm looking forward to our new pastor, but until that time, I am the interim pastor, which means I uh, stand in the gap, and my desire is to warn you and to encourage you because um, the days that we live in are so, so, so tumultuous and, and changing so fast that we have to be ready. We have to be ready. Wake up. Take it seriously. And, I, and I'm begging you to pay attention to what I'm saying. To to bear, thank you, but bear with what I'm saying. Endure it. Put up with it. Accept these teachings, even if it gets really hard where you live and what you experience. Would you please, please listen, listen, listen with my, uh, uh, and bear with with my word of exhortation. Listen to the whole book. Please. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to review the whole book here in a a matter of a few minutes. And I want you to listen to what he's... Because I know know the high points of this book. I know the crests of the waves that this book has because I've been studying it now for a year and a half. I hope you know some of those too, you remember some. But first and foremost, and thank you for the water, Denise. Thank you. First and foremost, what I want to encourage you people is Hebrews is about the superiority of Jesus. Man, I love hearing those amens. I did, don't laugh, because some people were here yesterday. I did a memorial service yesterday, and I forgot that that wasn't this congregation. Yeah, oh. And so I'd say something like that, and I heard a bunch of, oh, just a little ripple of amens, crickets. And then I'd cut one of my pastoral jokes, crickets. I forgot that there was a lot of people that didn't know their head from their tail about the Bible. And the, the core family was saved, but a lot of the people weren't. So thank you for the amens. I was so excited to come back to church today to hear this wonderful congregation amen and and uh and praise the lord but the first and foremost a doctrine of hebrews is the superiority of jesus is jesus superior to everything okay a, a little more please is jesus superior to everything yes. gotta remember that there are so many subtle and overt attacks on the the deity the eternal eternality and deity and full deity plus addition to humanity and the atonement of Jesus on that cross, his death, his burial, his physical bodily resurrection. There is so much over. You know, isn't it funny how all the other denomin, uh, religions can, can skate through all of this, but the Christians are the ones that get hammered? Because Jesus is superior to every one of them, he is God. And, and they aren't. And this is a message. And the reason he's telling them that is because they're thinking about bailing out. And so I, he says, look, in chapters 1, well, basically chapter 1, Jesus is superior to the angels. Jesus is superior to the angels. Now you say, well, yeah. Well, the, the Jews, these Jewish Christians really venerated angels you don't realize i don't realize how enamored they were with gabriel and michael and all the other angels that are mentioned in um excuse me in um the bible the old testament and when uh, this writer comes along and he's, he's what he's doing is he's reminding them of who jesus is and what i'm telling you today from this this little stool in my sermon is remember who jesus is remember who jesus is culturally emotionally spiritually mentally psychologically relationally theologically jesus is jesus he's the only god in human flesh who atone he's he's superior to the angels and the writer i see i've got i've got so many you know what i am going to do this i feel obligated to do this if you go back to chapter one of the book of hebrews i know you had it up there guys Go back to chapter 1. I feel so sorry for the verse people back there because I gave them like 1,700 verses for this Sunday, which I'm probably not going to use hardly any of. Um, but anyway, they're doing good. I, I, I want you to listen to this. This, this, is, this. this shakes me in my boots, right? And I don't even wear boots. That's how much it shakes me. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets. And many times, this is 1-1 chapter 1 1 and in various ways but in these days he has spoken to us by his son who he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe the Son is the radiance of god's glory in the exact representation of his being the the invisible the, the visible representation of the invisible god my lo- glory be to jesus glory be to jesus the exact reputation of this being, sustaining all things by his power. Forward. You know, this little cup of water that was brought to me? If the atoms in this were to be released, there would be an explosion that would probably destroy planet Earth. But our Lord consists everything. His power holds everything together because he's God. Um, and after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. But, you know, that's just an hors d'oeuvre compared to what's later on in the chapter. If you go to verse uh, 7 here, listen to what it says, verse 7. But about the son, he says, who's he? That's the father. About his son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever. Who is, who is the father calling God? Huh? He's calling Jesus God. It's right there in print, black and white. Your throne, O God, says the Father to his Son, will last forever. Okay. God's calling God God. And then you go up to um, verse 10, and it says, the Father says to Jesus, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. These are my favorite verses in Scripture when it comes to the deity of our Lord. This is who you and I need to remember. Don't take any substitutes. Hammer your spike into the ground and take your stand with Jesus, God the Son. And then uh, another, uh, um, I guess you would say, uh, the way that Jesus is superior, he's superior to Satan, chapter 2. Superior to, oh boy, Moses how did the jews feel about moses superior to moses superior to the old testament high priests i've got scriptures for all these we have no time to do that superior uh covenant in his blood that we talked about was it last week right the blood of what kind of covenant the eternal covenant the eternal covenant we've got a lot of people that can make us feel good by their winsome personalities or drugs or alcohol or any number of things. But who can offer us an eternal covenant of atoning blood? Jesus. And so he's saying, look, why would you go back to a lifestyle of dead, boring, legalistic religion or to the party life when you have got the superiority of Jesus? Don't do it. Another uh, part of uh, um, Hebrews, not just the uh, superiority of Jesus, but we know, and you've been here, if you've, if you've endured the last 16 months with me, uh, you know that this, this book talks about perseverance, doesn't it? Perseverance. People, I don't, I don't know if they get bored with me talking about I don't care. <laughs> if you got bored and frustrated with me talking about perseverance a lot in Hebrews, I don't care care how you feel (laughs) you know why because it's the word of god and you know as well as i do you could double this congregation today for all the people that started and didn't finish you know that if you've been around it's one thing that wounds my heart more than anything else someone shows all sorts of initial (sighs) enthusiasm and then a year or two later they're back to where they were that tears me apart and I can, I can see it almost before they can. And no matter how much you try to, you know, is that a lariat? Whatever that is. And you're trying to haul them back. Can't do it. So he says to these waffling, weary, weak um, people, he says, persevere. Because that's the sign of true salvation. And there are five razor-sharp warnings in the book of hebrews that pull no punches about your and my need to persevere it's not how you start they say it's how you it's how you finish it's not how you start the christian life it's how you finish will you go to the very end and will i no matter how unpopular christians become in our culture will you finish no matter how many um how much pain you have? Will you finish? No matter how many people hurt you, will you finish? No matter what, will you finish? Will you finish? I'm pointing that question to you, because none of us know what's going to happen today or tomorrow, do we? And I pray that to the Lord. I say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, and yesterday I made a mistake in my prayer time. I said, Lord, help me to be a forgiving person i said wait a minute wait a minute, lord what i really mean is help me to be a forgiving person without having to learn how to be a forgiving person because people hurt us don't they by what they say or do or how they act we've all been hurt we're gonna get hurt and i don't want to get bitter i want to get better but isn't forgiving one of the hardest things to do i love sucking on the lollipop of resentment i don't know about you mmm <laughs> it tastes good yes but you can't not if god's going to use you god brought me up short many times and said you know you want to prosper in ministry you want to you want to have my power you have to be a forgiving person you do another uh priority or uh, issue in uh the book of hebrews is um the importance of living by faith hebrews 11 right faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen that's the my the, another version that we have but okay for without faith it's impossible to please god hebrews eleven six. 6 for without faith it's impossible to please god and for those who come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him if, if we don't believe god's going to reward us when we pray within his will then guess what we don't get what we're praying for. And so I've been learning, taking baby steps, on how to receive what God has promised me, whatever that is, by faith. And you know what? It's a lot of fun. You say, fun? adds stuff to Christian life. Christian life is not fun. It's, 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 is it really fun, Mitch? Yes, it's very fun when we fall into living by faith. Because God swoops in and takes care of things for us. And that's fun. It's so much easier than doing it ourselves, isn't it? Did I want to warn you. I've warned you before. Don't try to live the Christian life. Don't even try. It's impossible. Let Christ live it for you. That's my vision for as long as I'm still here is that people at Cedar Home would be letting Christ do the work. And that other people that come into Cedar Home smell that aroma and go, yeah, baby, I like this. <laughs> Man, when you have a church that's filled with, with grace like that, you are successful. Anyway. Um, and then how to treat or the purpose of God's discipline is the 12th chapter Hebrews tells us what discipline is for to make us all we're meant to be moms and dads don't raise your hand unless you want to you discipline your children if you love them right says it right in Hebrews 12 well guess what your children are going to turn out better because you did discipline them And then the last thing I'll mention today is how to treat each other. When we got to chapter 13, the practical applications, how to treat each other, love each other, show hospi- hospitality to each other. Um, and it talks about uh, help, helping uh, other Christians that are hurting and mistreated. It tells us how to treat God. Don't be sexually immoral. Uh, be content with what you have. Don't let money control you. It's not wrong to have money, but it's wrong for money to have you. How to treat your church leaders, as Brian reminded us, and I reminded Brian, and then Brian reminded me before that, and then we, I reminded him, and uh, <laughs> and then he reminded us today very well. Thank you, Brian. We are... This is an exciting time. And some people say, oh, we went through COVID and this and that and the other thing. You know what? I don't even... I don't even look at it that way anymore. I look at, we are, we are at a new start in many, many ways. There are silver linings to what happened to our church. And I say this as a completely positive statement. We are starting from ground level in some very important things. And I think in his sovereignty, uh, Brian and the search committee and Cedar Home at large, in God's sovereignty, God has, don't ask me to explain God's sovereignty today. Maybe I'll explain it this summer sometime, but I'm just joking. Um, I'll never be able to explain. But in his sovereignty, we're going to be able to build from the ground up some very important things. Amen? I'm excited about it. I really am. And okay, I'm going to take a big rabbit trail here, but you're going to like this. When Debbie and I uh, released ourselves from Cedar Home in 2013 after 28 years of ministry here, not with sour grapes, we left loving the church, and, the, and I think the church loved us. I'd like an amen at that point in time. And say, <laughs> Thank you. Um, but we, assert, we said, ah, we took a breather for what? I don't know, was it a year? <laughs> Excuse me, traveled around, Looked at America for a little bit and it was kind of cool. And I came back, and the district executive that time, Steve Welling, started calling us, bothering us, pestering us. Hey, there's a lot of churches without pastors. Um, any interest? <coughs> Would you do some interim work? So we started, we, we had no idea, did we? But we, went, we were out at Oso for 14 months and then we went to Caldwell. <clears throat> for a better part of the year then we went to bremerton for uh the better better part of well 14 months in bremerton and i learned something i learned a lot of things but i learned something i learned dear god help this to be the truth because i think it is i learned what happens when god shows favor on a church I almost want to cry. You know why I want, why I almost want to cry? Because I've seen some of those things happening here. And you don't even know what they are. Oh well maybe you do. Maybe you're but I'm 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 cautiously thrilled <laughs> with what's God with what God is doing. In the background. How i've seen him move in ways that that favor that brings what i think his favor is on this body have we made mistakes have we have have has every church made mistakes the last two or one or two years amen and have we have are we fallible are we mortal mm-hmm. it got quiet all of a sudden when i said that yes we're fallible and mortal but do, it's like Brian said, doesn't God love our church? Doesn't he have a mission for us? I, too, am just, uh, <laughs> as we drive around, every time we've gone on an and we come back, it says, what happened? <laughs> what happened to the cows? <laughs> <laughs> They're in those houses that were built there, you know. <laughs> I'm getting way off topic, and I only have an hour to go, so I better hurry on. <laughs> Anyway, these are the things that he wants us to remember, the superiority of Jesus, the priority of perseverance, the importance of living by faith, the purpose of God's discipline, and how to treat each other and ourselves and God and church leaders. And he says, don't forget this word of exhortation. I urge you, please remember it. Take it seriously. And I'm saying the same thing because we're done today with Hebrews. Second thing here is what uh, Hebrews teaches us, and I've already mentioned it, so I won't go into major detail, but it teaches us to persevere through problems and persecutions. Perseverance, as I already mentioned, is huge here. Perseverance is the main sign of a Christian. Oh, you thought, and you think, there's all all sorts of ways to tell if a person is a Christian, and there are. They hunger for the word. They, they love their fellow brethren in Christ. Um, they, you know, they, lo- they love to be in fellowship. Uh, there's a conviction for sin. There's a, there's a, there's a little bit. Of, but perseverance, in my opinion, is the greatest sign that someone's truly a believer. You say, how will I know if you persevere? Do I get, am I saved? Um, or does perseverance save me? No. Does it prove I'm saved? Yes. And please don't ask me about that anymore, okay? Just, just understand it. No, you can't. But um, he mentions Timothy here, doesn't he? Isn't that interesting? Verse 13, or verse, excuse me, verse 23. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Why does he mention Timothy? If you remember 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said to scaredy-cat Timothy, God has not given us a, spir- a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Timothy was a scared. He was a scared guy. See, our young guy. And uh, he knew what it was going to cost to be an evangelist or just a believer. But when you, uh, Paul, uh, Paul, the writer of the Hebrews, and this is a very Pauline thing to say here, but when, when the writer of uh, the Hebrews says, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released, what was he released from? Huh? Prison. That's the word that's used, mainly in the book of Acts, for a person that's been incarcerated. And, and so this, this writer here it wisely says, scaredy cat Timothy got released from prison, and he's better than he was before. Amen. And he's trying to tell them that no matter what happens to you, it's going to be okay if you trust in God and persevere in your faith. And I'm telling you that. No matter how unpopular in our crazy um, culture we become, we're safe because we're going to, be, we're going to glory. And we, it, it, we can persevere because of that. So persevere, you know? Remember the superiority of Jesus and, and persevere. The dropout rate is, is sad. They're called apostates, and they will be judged uh, by God as much as any other unbeliever. So persevere to the end. It's a sign of genuine salvation. And you want to read the warnings, there are six, five of them, and they, they are very uh, razor sharp because he, he's pulling for them. And then, then the third thing, there are four. The third thing is important to us, too. It tells us take the whole content of the book and remember them, persevere, and then I didn't know any other way to say this. It's kind of goofy. But then the book tells us don't just say hi, but say, how are you? Don't say hi, say how are you? are you I, I you can do it either one of two ways how are you or how are you so let's look at see oh boy, i want i want to see you put a little rabbit out of your head on this one okay well look what it says here greet all your leaders and all god's people those from italy send you their greetings now greet there in all in, in terms of a proper linguistic and, uh uh terms is mentioned three times greet and when we are told in the bible to greet one another right what do we think a handshake right hi how how are you doing good okay talk to you later i've gotten into the habit of doing that hi how are you good then i say second paragraph well, our house burnt down, our dog ran away, the car gave up its ghost, uh, I, quit, I my, was fired from my job, and I have a terrible case of shingles. Okay. Second paragraph, please. You know what? Now, first of all, greeting is what our greeters do. And by the way, I've done a study, a personal study worldwide, of all the churches in the world, and we have got the best greeters in the whole world. <laughs> And the best secretary in the whole world, too. Because she's kind of a greeter, too. I watch everything. I've watched our greeters. They're so good. They got the gift, gift spiritual gift of greet. Okay. <laughs> and that's important. But they can't, they can't do too much on an in-depth basis because people are coming in. But you can Me? Yes, you. I'm an introvert. So am I. I get it. But don't just say hi. Go to the second paragraph. Get here seven minutes early so you can find someone to do that. We pray almost every week. I've told you this. Lord, put us in touch with someone who needs to talk to someone else. And God says, well, I don't hear a voice, but there they are. There's John Doe. There's Jane Doe. And he sends us to people. You think, well, I've come to hear the word of God and get fed and go. Really? How many times does the writer say greet one another? And you know what that word greet means? Show concern for other people. It doesn't mean just say hi. It means to say to someone in church that God is leading you to every Sunday, and after church is a great time too, how are you? How are you? And then shut up and let them talk. It's hard to shut up, isn't it? I'm terrible at shutting up. I love to hear myself talk. Yeah, I'm terrible. kind of a narcissist that way. Um, Shut up and let them talk. That's why we're here. Coming here before church and going and after church is a big part of the ministry here. I've had, even this week, I had someone tell me, your church, they're newer people. Your church is so friendly. And I'm going, Well, thank you. <laughs> Fortunately, we were on the phone, so they didn't see that, but uh, I said thanks. And my heart just swells. I'm so great because no one should come in here ungreeted. No one should come in here without someone saying, How are you? How are you? You don't have to know them please do that. You say, mm, I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not the Holy Spirit, but it's, what, it's God's will for you, and he will punish you if you don't do that. <laughs> okay? That's a horrible thing for a pastor to say. <laughs> and it says who to greet. Greet your leaders. After... Um, Um, what's your name again? Uh, Brian Brian said, uh, oh, it's happening, it's coming, it's happening. I told Debbie, get the bib out, you know. (laughs) Sorry, Brian, I've only known you, what, 10, 15 years. Um, When you talked about leaders, you need to show concern for them. It's tough, I know. It's tough to be a leader. Greet them, show concern for them. And then it says, um, everybody, all God's people, greet them. Do your job. You're not here just to hear uh, worship God in music and, and hear the sermon. You have a vital role to play every Sunday. Okay, better go to the last one here, because it's father's day and i want you to get there early so you don't have to stand in line okay just don't go to the restaurant we're going to we want to get a seat and eat okay (laughs) i'm not telling you which one it is either anyway here we go hebrews postscript is important because it reminds us and I'm getting a lump in my throat right now because this is so important. I've got so few minutes. I've gone 40. I'm going 45. I don't care what you th- think, okay? But it says here, it reminds us to grab onto grace as often as we can. And I want to tell you some. I'm not going to... The enthusiasm that you hear from me now for the next five minutes or six or seven minutes is is genuine i love grace i love grace by of god more than anything in in, the, in anything in the universe it's it's easy to, to skip or gloss over grace but as it, it is the most wonderful powerful uh thing in our lives because of its vast meaning and power-packed implications for our everyday life it's the key to christianity at its most basic level the sunday school well sorry sunday school doesn't have to be basic but it's the sunday school answer i shouldn't even use that phrase anymore because it kind of denigrates sunday school but god's riches at christ's expense right that is so not deep enough god's riches at christ's expense well it's true but grace Here, here it's hug a whale time Okay, because I can't do it. I can't hug a whale. But grace is Christ alone, saving us with his sovereign grace and kindness. And then in, in, in that way, indwelling us. And then grace is also sanctifying us and strengthening us and producing spiritual fruit in us apart from ourselves. You don't get saved by grace and then go to work for God. That's probably one of the the worst faults of, of 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 churches and pastors. You got saved by grace. Now let's get to work for God. You get to work for God the same way you got saved by grace, not by work. So no man can boast. We live by grace. You say, "What's grace?" Thank you for asking. I got like 10 definitions here. Grace, (coughs) this water is a lifesaver. Thank you. Grace is Christ saving us and then living in us, fulfilling the law and its commands and facing our problems for us. It's Christ doing the work, us supplying the faith and obedience. I'm going go to go to some other people. I love this one here. I don't even know who did it. I think a, a guy by the of David, name of David Austin. The in, grace is the influence or spirit of God operating in humans to regenerate them, save them, and also to strengthen them, also called the state of grace, the condition of being in God's favor all the time. I hear some of these preachers on TV, well, we were, we're praying for God's favor. Dude, shut up. We're in God's favor. <laughs> we're in God's favor because he saved us and he applied Christ's blood and his righteousness to us when he saved us, saved and regenerated us. And now he works in, for, and through us by the power of of his Holy Spirit. This is a good one, and then I'm going to go to Scripture, and then I will end the message, I promise. I love this definition by a guy guy by the name of John 80. And he said that grace is that goodwill on God's part which not only provides and applies salvation, but blesses, cheers, and assists believers. It's all of Christ dwelling in us. And, all, and he's all that we need to live the Christian life. You with me? All of Christ dwelling in us when we were saved, applying all of God's forgiveness and all of God's righteousness in us, and then empowering us to live the Christian life. By faith. Faith can be tough sometimes, can't it? But it's by faith. Now, the, the last and grandest scripture that i want to share with you second timothy 1 uh, 10 through uh, uh, 8 through 11 you got that for me that's when i really want up there second timothy 1, yes listen to second timothy 1 uh, and verse 7 for and through 11 for god did not give us a spirit of fear i'm quoting in my own version but of love power and of a sound mind now i'll go back to this version so do not be ashamed to testify about our lord or ashamed of me as prisoner but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of god who has saved us and called us to a holy life what comes first salvation then the holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus from the beginning of time. Chew on that before lunch today. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And... Deb and I were chatting yesterday, and I said, I said, Debbie, God regenerated me through the grace of Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. Even when he knew all the crap and crud and dirt and scum that I would think of in my own mind and do with my own hands, mouth, feet, eyes, and body. I thought, God, before you already knew what I was going to do, and you still save me? You are faultless before God and have all you need to live, and I need to live a life of Godness through grace. And I feel so inadequate here but, about explaining that, but are you, does, that, does this not bless you? And because of God's... Okay, hey, that wasn't very good does grace not bless you thank you because it blesses me every day of my life i just want god to live his life through me i don't want to live it it's better that way i'm a lot easier on my wife when i do that i'm a lot more patient with um people in traffic when i do that um i'm 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 just a great guy with that and i'm a real clown without it i'll tell you Because of God's grace, we can love unlovables in our life because it's Christ loving them. Don't raise your hand, but does anybody have an unlovable in their life? (laughs) Laughter. No hands, but laughter. Because of God's grace, we can stand for, stand up for and share Christ in a very hostile, fallen world. Because of the grace of Christ living in us, we can face temptations that we were are intimidated by because it's christ facing them in and for and through us because of grace we can confidently face our failures because before listen now before time we were in his grace and he knew how we would fail but our position in front in his eyes was what did it say before the beginning of time wow You know, I'm just going to shut up. That's all I can do, because you have endured me for 49 minutes, but we need to be reminded of of things and pursue diligently, daily, everything that the book of Hebrews has to say to us, especially the glorious grace of God. I'm so happy for that. I hope you are too. And if you don't know him, what could be better? That's my evangelism part of the sermon. If you don't know Christ, what could be better than grace? Father, we just thank you for the book of Hebrews that we've had time to spend uh, whatever it is, 13, 14 months in this thing, 12 or 13 months, whatever it is, 15, 16 months uh, in this book, and you have taught us many things that we did not know or we needed to hear again. Lord, make these truths stick to our ribs, not just today, but every day. May we remember, Lord, the superiority of jesus and and uh um the second one will help us to remember that <laughs> all these things that i can't remember while i 'm praying um, but help us to to persevere yeah that's what it is persevere, Lord God, to encourage one another and then just lord god to um to uh, s- stand and walk in the grace the free gift of christ uh, regenerating and cleansing us let us stand in those things because they happened before time before any of the mess ups that we made thank you for that lord we love you and we thank you for this day in jesus name all god's people said amen all right go in grace